I very consciously repositioned to capture what the Japanese call ikigai, you know, this Venn intersection of uh, what the world needs from you, what you do at a world-class level, what you enjoy doing, and what you get paid to do. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Kahn. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with speaker, author, and consultant Tim Ash. How do you find your unique authority? It's a challenge for many consultants as they try to develop their business. In today's episode, Tim shares how he found his unique value proposition. Stay with us to hear all the details. As you develop and test your unique positioning and your business model, whether you're just starting out or making changes to an existing consulting business, feedback from trusted colleagues can provide valuable information. I know how important support from colleagues can be for our success. That's why the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business access to experts and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Tim Ash. Tim is an acknowledged authority on evolutionary psychology and digital marketing. He's a sought-after international keynote speaker and the best-selling author of Unleash Your Primal Brain and Landing Page Optimization. Tim has been mentioned by Forbes as a top 10 online marketing expert and by Entrepreneur Magazine as an online marketing influencer to watch. For 19 years, he was the co-founder and CEO of SiteTuners, a digital optimization agency. Tim helped to create over $1.2 billion in value for companies like Google, Expedia, eHarmony, Facebook, American Express, Canon, Nestle, Symantec, Intuit, Humana, Siemens, and Cisco. Tim, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, thanks, David. It's great to be with you. Yeah, you have a really fascinating career, and I know we, we spoke briefly about this beforehand. Essentially, there were several like episodes or buckets to your career, and I wondered if we could start off by um, you just sharing a, a little synopsis of how that went and what some of the transitions were. Sure, I'll give you the quick version. I was born in the former Soviet Union. We emigrated to the U.S. Um, when I was eight years old. Uh, for a better life in America. I, I attended UC San Diego and got a double major in cognitive science and computer engineering and stayed there for grad school, worked for some big companies like uh, NCR and SAIC, which is a defense contractor, and then said, you know, I want to be my own boss. So I had that fit of entrepreneurial insanity. And that's when I started my agency. And along the way, actually, it was three different companies. Uh, we helped launch new.coms back in the early 90s. Then we were there for the birth of paid advertising on the internet and helped manage paid, um, what's called pay-per-click or search engine marketing campaigns for clients. Then we pivoted to being a super affiliate and driving our own traffic in order to make commission-based fees. And that's when I realized that the traffic we were driving was great, but the websites and landing pages we were driving it to were 
awful. And that's why I started my conversion rate optimization agency, basically to make websites more effective. And there's still no shortage of quality or crappy websites out there. So uh, my agency is doing great, even though I stepped out of it about three years ago. And what are you doing now, Tim? Well, I decided uh, um, I'm in my mid-50s, and about three years ago, I decided that I really needed to reset for this next chapter in my life and that running a professional services firm wasn't my highest and best use. So I guess you could say I've followed the solopreneur route. It's a combination of public keynote speaking at conferences all over the world. I just finished my third book, as you mentioned, which we might talk about, called Unleash Your Primal Brain, LinkedIn Learning Class as well as uh, digital marketing consulting, mostly in an advisory capacity with senior executives uh, at companies. Uh, so many folks go straight from corporate to solopreneur, which is mm -hmm. one kind of transition. You've actually made two. So you went first from, from corporate employee to entrepreneur, running an agency model where you had presumably a, a team of some size. Oh, yeah. Right, and then you transitioned from that to just doing your own thing. That's right. I think that, um, well, sometimes I wish I'd made this last change earlier, but on the other hand, I don't think I would have had the reputation or the credibility or the track record or would have seen as much as I did by running an agency. I mean, we've had clients, as you mentioned, from the global 100 down to lean startups across all vertical industries and company sizes. So I really, at this point, can speak authoritatively about digital marketing from just about any angle. And uh, the only way to do that is to pay your dues. And I think uh, doing that uh, from the perspective of an agency is more valuable than being stuck in one particular dysfunctional type of corporate culture and having spent a lot of time just in one company. Tim, do you think the fact that you made a professional transition in the way you worked earlier on has made it easier for you to go from running your own business with a team to being a solopreneur? Well, I think it was more of an imperative. Uh, I looked, again, the thing I wish I would have done is paid more attention to who I am, my character, my basic nature, if you will. And regardless of which personality typing test I take, it basically says I'm an evangelist, an advocate for something. I'm not the empire builder. So I was never cut out to build a professional services firm. Uh, I've sold my stake to a partner who's in the last three years tripled the size of it. And it just goes to show, you know, the right person for the right job. So I very consciously repositioned to, I guess, to capture what the Japanese call ikigai, you know, this Venn intersection of uh, what the world needs from you, what you do at a world-class level, what you enjoy doing and what you get paid to do. Uh, so I said, I'm going to offer a set of consulting services, uh, but they're going to be ones that don't require employees. And so I have something that's tactical. I have something that's strategic. I have a training one and an advisory one. And so I very carefully designed it to figure out where I add value and what um, the best way for me to engage with companies. Yeah, do you think that there is is some advice you can offer those that maybe are still in corporate, but really thinking that they would rather be solo and be an evangelist with regard to some aspect of their discipline? Because you have figured out how to do this clearly. And there are many people, the paycheck is, is um, in some ways, it's a false sense of security. 
and it's hard for them to go solo, or even if they've been pushed out, which is quite common, they have a hard time having sufficient motivation to make it work as a solopreneur. Well, motivation is, I believe, something you either have or you don't. Um, my conscious uh, thought when I made this transition was multiple streams of income. I think that's really important. So in my case, that says keynote speaking and um, corporate marketing training, whether that's in large companies or at conferences. It, it was also writing the book. I also recorded an audiobook version of it. And I self-published that, uh, the audiobook part, so that's direct money to me. I did a LinkedIn learning class, which is pretty popular on neuromarketing. That's bringing in some cash. And so it was always, a, and then, of course, the consulting, um, which is about half of my income, I would say, at this point. So it's really important to not put all your eggs in one basket. I was actually concentrating on keynote speaking uh, before the pandemic. And hey, I'm getting paid business class to fly to Australia and Brazil and uh, Barcelona and and getting paid to be on stage and speak. Well, what could possibly go wrong? Well, <laughs> global pandemic. So whenever you have your eggs in one basket, that's a problem. I think that you have to figure out diversified streams of income if you're going to go solo to buffer against that risk. And as you were figuring this out, what kind of help did you need, A, to figure it out, and then B, to start to implement some of these different revenue streams? Because I would imagine some of them were, were new kinds of businesses that you haven't been in before. Well, actually, I've done something along the lines of everything I ended up doing. I've certainly consulted before as an agency head. I've The public speaking was or something I was already getting paid to do while I was in the you know, running my agency, uh, the book, this Unleash Your Primal Brain, the, the first two books I wrote on landing page optimization were for marketing practitioner audience, how to make your websites better. Uh, this one was my third book. So I already knew how to write a book, how to publish it. So I think you have to draw on the resources you already have. And if you don't know something, I would just jump in and learn it. I'll give you a couple of examples. I negotiated my own publishing stuff while well, I read the, what is it, the, the Writer's Alliance or something as a 300-page ebook on how to negotiate publishing contracts. Well, I just read it and I underlined the stuff that seemed relevant to me and the gotchas. When I recorded my audiobook, I just downloaded some software onto my PC for um, editing sound files and you know getting rid of noises and breath sounds and all of that stuff. And first time through, I pumped it up to Audible and they accepted the recording at the quality level because I just followed all the rules. So I think it, it just jumping in, is there's nothing scary about it. I wouldn't have some big grand plans, but what I try to do is have a productive two to three hours a day. That's how I looked at it. What can I learn today or do today? What's that incremental small step? Because uh, we underestimate what we can do in a day uh, I think. And so don't be scared by the big goals. Just move your feet in the right direction. Tell me a little more about how you identified and developed your niche. Mm. Well, well, first of all, I just want to talk about the importance of a niche. Um, if you're going to be any kind of consultant, you have to have a really, really tight focus. Even if you offer a wide variety of services, the only one you should talk about is the one that's unique to you or that you're you're the best at. Uh, because if well, I'll give you a law firm example, it's like if we do international tax law 
Okay, that's that's what our law firm does. Oh, can you handle my divorce? Well, of course, that's easy. Uh, but the only talk about doing international tax law. So it's just in the same way, you have to have a positioning. And so mine came out of uh, very naturally as a progression uh, from my work in landing page optimization and making websites better. Most of the that $1.2 billion in value that you mentioned that we created for clients was based on durable neuromarketing principles, essentially evolutionary psychology. If you want to understand how the human brain works and how to persuade other people, understand the human brain, not the technology, but rather the evolutionary psychology. And so I looked around and decided that this next repositioning, moving out of digital marketing to the evolutionary psychology focus, there were no good books on the subject. It was either written by uh, practitioners or specialists or, God forbid, academics. You know, they're really usually not very good communicators. So I said, decided to write the only accessible book about how the brain really works and pull together information from about 50 different sources. Uh, so you're about my age. Uh, you probably remember Carl Sagan and the Cosmos program. He popularized uh, astrophysics. I mean, uh, he was that guy that said billions and billions of stars, and he made that accessible to people. Well, I'm trying to do the same with the brain. So it was a combination of my own interests and passion and an outgrowth of what I was doing. I think it needs to still be rooted in that for, for credibility and for deep knowledge. Carl Sagan is actually a really great example. He was really good at it. I happened to be in grad school at Cornell while he was teaching there. And he he used to give a a free like intro to astronomy course in the evenings that was basically it was in a, a room that could hold a thousand plus people and it was always full. <laughs> Even in tiny Ithaca, New York. Yeah, I think he was a beautiful man too. And from what I've seen from his interviews, he was just a beautiful man too. Um very high integrity and yeah, you know, quality human. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the book. What problem does it solve? Hmm. Okay. I like that. What problem does it solve? It makes the human brain understandable without any scientific jargon. Uh, I believe that to understand how we think and why we act, you have to retrace the whole arc of evolution. So I describe what we share with the earliest life on earth and to the later chapters, which focus on what makes us distinctly and bizarrely human and different from other animals. But to ignore that arc of evolution and what we picked up along the way is a problem. So this book lays it out from memory, learning, brain chemistry, storytelling, gender differences, the spread of culture, our highly social natures, and it does it without any of the gobbledygook. It's a very accessible book, but there's like zero fat. It's all lean and, uh, and fun, and there are a lot of call-outs in it, uh, main points that you could spend a lot of time thinking about, you get a lot of value out of. Who's the ideal reader? It actually has three audiences since it's really an operating system for human beings and what all 8 billion of us on the planet share. You could look at it from a business standpoint, whether it's leadership, marketing, sales, persuasion more broadly, it'll put those blinders on. It'll be super effective for that. You can also use it for personal relationships, again, gender differences, communication, things like that. And then finally, for personal development, if you want to understand sleep, memory, learning, the need to be social how to live a better life. So really, it's it's a bit of a chameleon of a book because it'll help any human being who wants to understand themselves and their relationship to others. And for those in the business world, mm -hmm. 
What do you expect they'll be able to do differently after reading it? Uh, they'll be able to manage teams, understand corporate culture. They'll be able to understand their own flaws and biases in terms of their risk-taking and how they make decisions and hopefully compensate for those. Uh, and they'll be much more persuasive, whether it's in meetings or in a sales and marketing context. So you, you can rely on these durable things that all of us are influenced by, you know, how we really make decisions from the subconscious, emotional side, uh, instead of trying to be logical and have feature tables and comparisons and things like that. So what's an example of something that people may not know that they might be able to use to help persuade someone else to make a decision? Mm. So one of the things is there's a huge negativity risk bias. We're attuned to threats. The bear's going to eat you is not the same as, am I going to enjoy this coconut? You know, one is very much a threat. The other is an opportunity. So we're about two, two and a half times, depending on context, more attuned to threats. So if I said, hey, David, you have to have this operation and 97% of the time, things are going to be just fine, you know, and there's some complications 3% of the time. But you need this operation and it'll go well 97% of the time. Or I could say, hey, David, there's this operation. You absolutely need to have it. Problem is that 3% of the time you're going to die on the operating table. Okay, I just described the same situation, but I have a feeling I know which one you're going to prefer to hear about from your doctor. Well said. So are there any, um, any stories from the, from the business world of people that have applied some of these techniques that you might be able to share? Well, absolutely. I'll take that same um, kind of threat or loss or risk avoidance example. We, we were working with uh, Dropbox. They had a, a paid version. Of course, they have the free version of the share files. And they were they had some kind of happy, happy talk on their landing page. It's like, oh, buy our, buy our product and uh, life's great. And we instead decided that we we're going to create a version of the page that would create a really bad contrast. So the negativity bias, we take advantage of it. Here's life without Dropbox. Uh, you can't attach files to your emails. You don't know which version is the latest. You don't know who's got which version in a large group you're communicating with. Basically, life is hell. And here's life after Dropbox Pro. All those problems went away. So you have to create that contrast in order to move people off of their comfortable spot because our brain is a very energy intensive system and its default reaction to most things is do nothing because that requires thought and maybe voluntary action after that. So that was a way we could influence people by focusing on rubbing salt into the wound and showing them how bad their situation is, which I think a lot of marketers aren't willing to do. They just want to do the happy, happy talk, and that's a giant mistake. There's a workout motto in the gym, no pain, no gain. It's the same in marketing. Unless you can create a pain in me, you're not going to gain or benefit from it. Yeah, I actually thought that it was pretty common for uh, people writing sales pages to describe the pain first and particularly to to um, describe the pain in terms of the emotions of the reader. If you're good at it, that's what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. But just like, uh, who was it that said 95% of everything is crap and that includes sales and marketing copy, that's for sure. Well said. Tim, what do you hope that the book will achieve? Well, really, I have that Carl Sagan-like need to make something accessible. I mean, astrophysics is great, but it's kind of abstract. The human brain, if we're going to save ourselves from the current unfolding war or the looming climate extinction crisis, we better understand 
uh, other people, societies, culture, how we band into tribes, how we tell stories, all of that is baked very deeply into our evolution. And and so self-knowledge, I think, is the only possibility of saving this world. And I'm hoping to, like I said, have this uh, basic operating system for human beings that I can describe to anybody. It sounds great. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? Well, uh, I think that, again, don't focus on the technical parts of your craft. What I found is useful to me in my career as a person, or also as a consultant, is focusing on the things that have the most universal applicability, the ones that I can use at work and with my family and with my friends uh, to make a better life for myself. So I, I guess that's what old people like us call wisdom, uh, things that are widely applicable instead of the latest uh, technical gadgets or trends. Well said. Uh, well, we've covered a lot of territory today. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed, access any of the resources you have, get a copy of your book, where would be the best place for them to go? Well, the book's available everywhere, literally, in both uh, or ebook, audiobook, and uh, paperback form. But you can get a free chapter of your choice if you want to just check it out and sample it first, but pick whatever chapter you want. Go to primalbrain.com slash book, and that's where you can fill out a quick form and tell me which chapter you want. I'll send it to you as a PDF. And if you're interested about my consulting services or public speaking, that's just at timash.com. I love the fact that you will send someone a chapter of choice. That's uh, that's different. That's actually an evolutionary psychology trick that I'm using for marketing, which is people like to customize things. And when they feel they have a sense of ownership over the process, uh, they're more invested in it. Very smart. Um, well, I want to thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time to discuss what you're up to today on Smashing the Plateau. Uh, my guest has been an acknowledged authority on evolutionary psychology and digital marketing, Tim Ash. Thank you again, Tim, for joining us. No, it's been my absolute pleasure, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode, Tim shared how he found his unique value proposition. As you develop and test your unique positioning in your business model, whether you're just starting out or making changes to an existing consulting business, feedback from trusted colleagues can provide valuable information. I know how important support from colleagues can be for our success. That's why the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.